This is Leela Viss, and welcome to Key Ideas. Piano teaching doesn't come bundled with ready-made solutions. This podcast highlights some brilliant options for innovative piano teachers just like you. This is a flashbulb episode, which means I'm going to dive deep into a topic in 20 minutes or less. Here we go. It's a new year, and yet things still feel the same as the old year. For example, during the first week of lessons in 2021, I received three requests for switching lesson times because schools changed their schedules. Two more students asked for online lessons because they were quarantining after being exposed to corona. Another student found out that her soccer games are scheduled on the same day as her lesson but that she can switch back to her old lesson time because the school is going back to a hybrid model in two weeks. There's no choice but to remain flexible, shuffle my schedule, and make things work, just like I did in 2020. In fact, I'm quite sure I'll be touching my toes with my nose as 2021 continues to test my flexibility. It's a new year, but things still feel the same. They feel unsettled uncertain. And yet, we continue to pivot and push forward because we're human. Yes, we may have a tendency to mope about our unprecedented situation, perhaps the most overused phrase in 2020. And yet, we humans are also endowed with built-in coping and hoping mechanisms. Recently, I attended the Tanara Music Expo and a lineup of renowned teachers answered the noble question, What can we do now for the future of music education? It's a question that calls for noble answers. Here's a rundown of what they said. Hang on, it's a long list. Make music accessible to everyone, not just the elite. Use rich, diverse, and comprehensive instruction that nurtures holistic musicianship. Empower parents and build deeper relationships with students through music. Develop lessons that are student-centered instill an appreciation and love of music, reinvent methods to address the change, instruct in bite-sized chunks, engage through the latest platforms, avoid going back, evolve and move forward, be more malleable, meet students in their culture without judgment, be interesting by being interested in your students, give choices, listen and relate to students, Take all the good of the past and incorporate it into the journey of the future. Offer contemporary music, new music, to help students understand the importance of music from today's composers and styles. Adapt. Think outside the box. Be relevant. Motivate. Empower. Keep kids engaged. Embrace the new. Remain flexible. Break down the barriers of tradition. Take into account the stress of students at home. Take care of yourself. Fill your tank so you can pour into others. Be mindful. Help students make sense of their emotions with music. Appreciate our role in supporting and honoring our students. Let students create and change their soundtrack and change their reality. Give them the tools to decide how they are feeling. Equip students to make choices themselves. Give them the freedom to be in charge of their own feelings. Be authentic. If there was ever a time to feel overwhelmed, it would be now, (laughs) especially because this long list comes with a pandemic that continues to stick around even with a vaccine. 
And perhaps this overwhelm is magnified because it comes with feelings that hold you back from taking action. Perhaps you feel stretched thin, and yet your jeans feel tight. Your tank is on empty, and yet you run on fumes. You feel down about the state of your studio, and yet are expected to look up and think forward. You know you lack skills, yet your schedule is too full to build new ones. You maintain a long list of to-dos, and yet retain the urge to procrastinate. You hold on to regret, and yet let go of possibilities. You embrace change, and yet resist the work to make it happen. These stumbling blocks can stem from one four-letter word, fear. For the record, you are not alone. We, meaning the entire world, are in a state of collective trauma, and sometimes it's easier not to face our fears and to crawl back into bed. My personal experience with trauma has taught me that life comes packaged with overwhelm, tied up in a bow of fear. I've learned that problems don't evenly distribute themselves and get plopped daily, hourly, with free delivery to my front door. Okay, wait, before you switch me off because I haven't said anything you don't know or feel already, I want to talk about what we can do to get us through and past our fears. Our marching orders are clear. Teachers from around the world told us what we need to do. I want to focus on how we need to accomplish those tall orders. Here are actionable steps to get you out of the mope and into coping, and perhaps even hoping. These actionable steps start with setting goals. Not a huge resolution for a new year. Just setting specific goals for six weeks at a time. Now these goals could be for you, for your students, or for both you and your students. I got this idea after I registered for a virtual conference. Yes, I'm a self-proclaimed conference junkie. Believe it or not, there's a conference solely based on organization. Apparently, 70,000 people attend. I haven't gotten through all of the sessions, but I did listen to Kaylin Brooks' session called The Six-Week Sprint. In it, she describes how she whittled down her goal-setting system from one year to 90 days and then eventually to six weeks. She claims six weeks is the sweet spot for setting and achieving goals. It's because the six-week sprint system demands action right away, with no time to procrastinate. Brooke says that the shorter time frame helps you make better decisions on what to say yes to and what to say no to. She claims that with only six weeks to work on your goal, You'll probably want to decline any new projects until your six weeks are up so that you can give it 100% focus. And she says that you won't get bored or cave into the shiny new object syndrome. With six weeks left of the teaching year before winter break and feeling the crunch of the holiday season ahead, I decided to create a six-week practice sprint challenge for my studio at the beginning of November. A little before listening to Kaylin's session, I interviewed Charlene Jarvis for a Key Ideas podcast episode. In it, she describes her club piano. As a student in her roster, it's a privilege to be invited to her club level, think club sports, and she expects hard work. In fact, Charlene shared that her students who join the club have the option to sign up for a 100-day practice streak. If they miss even one day, they're out. I was impressed 
and yet knew that I would have a difficult time enforcing the streak like Charlene does. She's a master drill sergeant. So I decided to go with a six-week challenge instead. I call it the 626 sprint. Six weeks of practice, two goals to achieve, with six days of practice each week. According to Brooke, only one goal should be chosen during the time frame. I broke that rule and decided on two specific goals following Charlene's lead, with a few smaller ones alongside. My plan was this. Pianists must practice two items six days a week. The first, a holiday piece for a December performance. The second, a level-specific technical challenge. Either major five-finger patterns or major scales, arpeggios, primary chords, and inversions. The exercises pack a two-for-one punch because I use them to review techniques like wrist rolls, hand positions, scale fingering, staccatos, rotation, etc. As students play their theory in their practice, it will carry over into off-bench activities and drills to reinforce concepts. And okay, I broke the rule further by requiring students to practice other things too, as they are also preparing for upcoming festivals in the new year. But these only had to be practiced three times a week. To help me set these goals, I followed Brooke's lead that goals must be concrete and actionable and follow her ACT or ACT method. The A of ACT stands for achievable. The goal should be within reach yet aspirational. It should not be something easily attained and somewhat of a stretch so that enthusiasm doesn't peter out. The C of ACT stands for clear. Next, the goals must be well-defined and easily measured and quantified. From week to week, there should be visible progress. I write the goals and how they are to be measured in the students' assignments in Tanara. Tanara is a platform for delivering assignments that I could now not teach without. According to Brooke, the benefit of this is being able to clearly articulate exactly what you're shooting for so that when you reach those measurable goals, you can celebrate. When learning a new piece, my students know that there are several levels of achievement. After listening to a recent podcast from the Bulletproof Musician, I recalibrated my level labels and added in survival and proficient. Survival means barely hands together, but getting close. Learn means hands together with gaps in timing. Proficient means hands together with correct timing aligned with the metronome. Mastered means hands together with correct timing, a few slip-ups, dynamics, and articulations in place. And memorized means it rocks. Together, students and I determine what level would be achieved for each piece. So the T of ACT stands for time trigger. At each level, there must be an assigned frequency on how to complete the goal and a hard due date. So each week for six weeks, all students were charged with two goals that had to be practiced six times before the next lesson. If they couldn't squeeze in practice on one day, they could practice two times on another day. Listen to Charlene's episode, and you'll realize that I'm a softie compared to her. The goal of the six-week sprint was for each student to prepare a video of their Christmas piece to be part of a holiday YouTube playlist recital. The ultimate goal was to share and celebrate their achievement with friends and family. With this sprint in place, pianists knew a finish line was coming. 
It motivated them to reach a level of mastery for a performance. It gave them a sense of accomplishment, and they gained technical skills along the way too. All rewards for them, and for me too. Back to our marching orders and how this six-week sprint could help you transform your overwhelm or mope into cope and hope. First, this six-week time frame helps you practice. Yes, we usually reserve the word practice for our students, but we too must practice. And although I believe we must practice our instrument, just like our students, I'm referring to our practice of constraint. Remember that long to-do list? We can't do them all at once. That's a guaranteed ticket to overwhelm. And as Laura DeGroot puts it, we are not superhumans. We are human beings and not human doings. Make sure to listen to Laura's sage advice in Key Ideas episode 15. You'll feel empowered to practice constraint and follow Laura's wise words to stay in your lane. Overwhelm comes from two major symptoms, decision fatigue and choice overload. To avoid decision fatigue, think backwards. What is your ultimate goal for this year, for each student? Is it to meet your students at their level, at their culture? Is it to equip them with tools to find their musical voice? Or do you want to develop their practice skills so they can play their dream piece? Or perhaps your studio goals need to be based on your goals for you as a teacher. Do you need to adapt and pivot with more confidence? Do you need to cross over some traditional boundaries that you've held dear far too long? Does your curriculum need a reboot? Choose one to three goals from the said marching orders and then develop your plans around your decision. Leave the other tasks for another year. Then break up your year into six-week sprints and choose a theme with a couple of goals. If you've got a long list of to-dos in a year, Knowing that you'll get to them in the next six-week sprint will ease your mind and keep you focused on the things in front of you now. To prevent choice overload, set clear boundaries mined from your curriculum for each six weeks. Choose two top priority items. For example, in my current six-week sprint, the two items to be practiced six times each week is a piece from the National Federation of Music Clubs Bulletin And the other piece is one I call a piece from a European dead guy. (laughs) Both are in preparation for an upcoming festival in March. This also leaves room for my students to have a say in what happens. And you can do the same. As you set these goals, ask your students what they'd like to accomplish in six weeks. Their agenda may actually be similar to yours, And it will also give you an immediate direction for what you want to do now and in the future. Give your students voice and choice in repertoire and how many keys or patterns to learn in technical drills. And let them think of ways to accomplish things from week to week. Let them choose what practice strategies they will use to reach their goal for proficiency or mastery. Some of my students asked specifically about playing the blues and a number of them were interested in chord charts and my 321 challenge to boost their confidence in improvisation. When your students have a say in what their goals are, 
they become accountable to them, not to you and not even to their parents, but to their goals. And they take ownership of their lessons and their progress. Now, one last piece of advice about choosing goals. It must be done with the right frame of mind. The ultimate goal for yourself and your students is to get better at something. Don't set goals to prove your self-worth. Don't base them on the assumption that life will be better or you'll be a better person or others will like you more if you achieve a goal. You're good enough the way you are. Setting goals reminds you that you have a special gift of being a human who can do things step by step, or as Renee Holloman says it, millimeter by millimeter. If you need perspective on patience and grit, go listen to Renee in Key Ideas episode number 13. Speaking of grit, a while back, I wrote a blog about what grit looks like in the piano studio. Most of the post circles around Angela Duckworth's research on grit. She recommends incorporating the hard thing rule into your life, especially if someone is learning something new in the family. She recommends that every family member has to do a hard thing that requires deliberate practice and states that no one can quit until the season is over. And everyone gets to pick their hard thing. It's not determined by someone else. Now, with The Queen's Gambit being the hit show of the season, perhaps you could pick up the game of chess as a hard new thing. This past month, I resurrected my goal to learn how to juggle. For decades, it's been clear that I am not a ball handler. And now, as my husband has also taken on the challenge of juggling, it's evident that I am not in my element. As of right now, he can juggle 40 times without dropping the ball. My record is seven. I may not be able to juggle with confidence since I started practicing last month, but I'm seven times better at it than I was before. In the next six weeks, I'm aiming for 14 juggles. My goal is humbling and helps me relate to my students especially my adult students. My goal is definitely aspirational and I believe achievable with a good amount of grit. My goal is clear with a quantifiable tool for measurement and it's time triggered. I practice every day and my deadline? Sometime before 2021 ends, I'll call myself a juggler. With a vision of what we must do now for the future of music set before us, and a pandemic blanketing our plans, it's imperative that we uncover and face our fear head-on. With set goals that are met in incremental steps and a dose of grit, we can overcome overwhelm, one six-week sprint at a time. I leave you with two quotes from Angela Duckworth. Grit is living life like it's a marathon and not a sprint. Grit is built on the hope that our actions can affect change for tomorrow. Head to the show notes at leelavis.com slash key ideas and sign up for your free six-week sprint downloadable printable. And you'll find links to my blog about the 626 sprint, the podcast episodes I mentioned, and my post about grit. 
By the way, thanks so much for listening, and I appreciate you sharing key ideas with your teacher friends. If you leave a five-star rating or write a kind review, it really helps piano teachers just like you find key ideas. And your written reviews matter. I read every one. Until next time, see you in the trenches, knee-deep in grit.